Oh, I forgot to ask you this, and I meant to do it while we were uh, recording. I know That's I'm right. pretty sure your wife is a, your wife's a teacher, right? She is at the school district of Philadelphia. Does she see? Um, I'm just curious. Does she ever see like union gear or union jerseys? Do you ever ask her about that, or does she ever bring that up to you? No, yeah, she's she's starting to see it now more and more, and it's it's like I said, it's amazing seeing these kids now. Instead of wearing Bayern or Messi jerseys, they're actually wearing Union jerseys, which is incredible, man. Hey guys, Two Be Brothers Podcasts presented by the Brotherly Game. It's me here, AJ, with. Uh, it's me here, Luke. It's me here, Luke. It's me here, Luke. <laughs> it's November twelfth. This is episode number forty-three. Um, it's gonna be a f- it's it's gonna be an awesome episode. Not because me and Luke are on it, but because we invited Jeff Mitchell, father of Ben, onto the podcast, King of Posadelphia. He uh, is the man. He is the man. So we just finished talking up with him. That interview will be the second half of the episode. So you can skip over everything that me and Luke say. Um, or you can listen to us, and then you'll be really impressed by what he says in the second half. Um, yeah, I feel inspired by that conversation. He was pretty great. Yeah, that was yeah, it was great. Um, the only unfortunate thing about the conversation is that it's only November twelfth, and we just finished up the two thousand nineteen season. So right. we're both pumped up right now after talking to Jeff. Nowhere to put that energy. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to discuss MLS Cup. MLS Cup that happened just a couple of days ago. Uh, me and Luke had a. Oh, we had a pretty big pretty watch. crazy watch party. Uh, yeah, it was wild. Three uh, of us, two of us were watching. Um, that was insane. Yeah, uh, we got tacos, yeah. so that was a good <laughs> thing. They were good. Yeah, they are good. Um, so I was going to do some comparisons of the Union to <laughs> Seattle Sounders in Toronto, but Luke said no. It, that's lame to talk whatever about. Whatever we compare so our Lu- team no, to other. No, so Luke's, <laughs> so Luke's question that was better than my comparison of Union to the those teams was he typed out, did you enjoy MLS Cup? Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, first of all, when you compare our team to any other team, it's the difference is money, and it's just a, a reoccurring conversation that we have all the time. But did you enjoy the game? Um, uh, other than the company I was with <laughs> and who I'm with right now, I'd say it was a pretty enjoyable oh, game. Some tension um, in this basement. Uh, yeah, you're. Uh, I, <laughs> I was glad there were goals in the game. Um, the after the first half being zero zero, I was kind of nervous. I always want uh big soccer games to produce goals, like the last World Cup game, uh, like World Cup final. What was mm-hmm. that four two? And so that was pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Um, because I had people who are not soccer fans texting me during that, like, "Oh my gosh, this game is crazy." I was like, "Wow, you're watching." You always bring up your non soccer friends. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you don't bring up any friends. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Fair point. Uh, so I always hope that people tune in to at least watch a final for MLS. I know it was during an NFL Sunday, but yeah, that was awkward timing. Yeah, and it was also like apparently it was at like it was like a noon game in Seattle, so that's like that's a weird oh I didn't kind of situation. Yeah, but I mean, it, they, they, I'm sure they didn't care. The Seattle won. So they they didn't mind at all. Wow, so that's so that's a pretty cool setup for them though in the post game part because I mean you have a lot of day to accelerate. Yeah, granted the lead up to it, you may have to start like I mean you're waking up drinking coffee and if you're trying to tailgate with alcohol, you're drinking right. that. But that's early. probably like a better situation, like less time to like I don't know, kind of ruin your day before you go into the game. You don't you're not going to be like run out of steam by the time kickoff starts you're kind of like still like in the hype mm-hmm. i feel like at by noon you know right right and so, so. The, the game ends around two thirty three, and then you've got all afternoon and night to uh celebrate yeah so i, I guess that's not terrible yeah, i mean it might not be the best for like i don't know viewership i feel like the ratings seem decent but i, I don't know I yeah think. it did get a good had a lot of viewers one of the highest um i think i saw something like the only other higher one was the 2016 game Oh, okay. That's okay. Maybe not. Uh, yeah. No, you... no. I believe it. No. Okay. I, I, that's just interesting. It's just the same matchup. Right. Same matchup, yeah. and lot, that one was a worse game than this one. This one. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the first half was kind of boring. A couple. I mean, Toronto looked decent. 
but there weren't like too many chances despite them looking decent. Yeah, they had like good possession. I feel I think it was it was Matt Zoe put it put it put it uh into words pretty nicely. He said Toronto played really well from eighteen to eighteen, but Seattle was really won it in the or played better in the eighteen. Like in the box. So that's <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hear the quote that actually sounds like the quote, uh, listen to their podcast, but because Luke butchered it. Yep. But yeah, I was gonna actually say the same exact thing. <laughs> so um, they're the source of a lot of our inspiration. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just listened to that today. So um, I was glad to see goals, and I was glad to see Seattle get the first goal because Toronto was the better team. So I figured once Seattle scored then Toronto would really push, but it really kind of just pushed Seattle higher. And, right. And they it really just, gave it them just more took energy. the momentum and, and, yeah, just took that. Swung it that way. Yeah. Um, do you have any feelings on Leardom's goal or if it should be an own goal? I don't know. I don't really care. Like, he's going to take credit for it. Like, it, I feel like the what the official call of it, like, doesn't really make a difference for that moment, you know? Right, right. Um yeah, do you think – how do you feel about, like, the home team winning versus the away team winning in a championship game? And then also follow-up, do you prefer there to be a home and away team, or do you prefer neutral site? Um, And I'm, I'm so just to pre- – well, to let you, uh, yeah, you think about talking. this. Um, the reason I ask is because Seattle has a march up to the stadium. They had 25,000 people marching into the stadium. Seattle also plays in a football stadium, so they can fit 70,000 people into the stadium, which did allow Toronto to have, they had like three or four sections. So they had a decent number of fans there. But then again, I mean, then you're still looking at 68,000 uh, Seattle fans. Yeah. So it is really skewed one way. What, what are your thoughts on any of those questions that I asked you five <laughs> minutes ago? Uh, yeah, so I'll answer some of them. Uh, but before you do, let me just, <laughs> no, just go ahead. Uh no I I don't know I I kind of I think I like the the home team or like it being in in a, in a home venue like I feel like a neutral site doesn't it just never creates the same atmosphere I feel like you look at Super Bowls like they have obviously that sold sells out and everything but it's just like I don't know it's also different between football and soccer but it, it's just not the same kind of like there's no like I don't know there's it's more, way more neutrals it's way like it, the atmosphere is just different and I feel like having a home field or like a, and then the supporter sections like a real supporter section I feel like that's something you can't really replace in a neutral site so I don't know and I know it, I feel I feel like it definitely does create a, an unfair ba- advantage but um it I don't know that just means like the regular season means more so that I don't know there's there's logic to it and I and I basically agree with that so I don't know I think it's I think it was pr- pretty much a good thing. Yeah, I I think I do prefer that. It is tough though when it is such a big advantage, and I mean, I guess last year we saw it with Atlanta hosting their their crowd was just insane. It more, more is insane. Yeah. Um, and then part of the question is like the actual playing surface. So I mean, this was on turf, not too. I mean, yeah, it's different, but more what's coming to mind is NYCFC. If NYCFC had hosted, like that, I feel like that messes up the game. Whereas if MLS would say, we're going to put it in a soccer stadium, which should be a, you know, it shouldn't be a major, I don't know, obstacle. Right. I, f- I feel like in that, I feel like if NYC were to win, I, I can't imagine they played MLS Cup in. Yeah, you see it. I feel like I even saw rumors that they would play in like Red Bull Arena or, or move it somewhere. So I feel like in that specific situation, it, that would never happen. Okay. But I feel like, yeah, I don't know, with like like this being Seattle being turf, like I guess th- I know that does affect the game, but I don't. It's still like a regulation field. It both teams play mm-hmm. on. They they played on turf in plenty of games throughout the season. I mean, more for Seattle, obviously, but I I feel like it. I don't know. It it's less of a factor. I don't okay. think it's I don't think it's too much of a factor to to really like make it but give this game like an asterisk or anything. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I was just thinking of thoughts of neutral site versus one team being home. Um I don't know where do you want to go do now. Do you think Seattle's like going to be like just insufferable now? Cuz um, like they've kind of been that fan base that's uh I don't know, vocal, let's I, say. Um and now with two two championships, they they're almost considered a dynasty. Like, is that just going to be all we hear about, or is it still going to be Atlanta's going to be the annoying fan base to us? Uh, 
there since Seattle's in the West, I, I feel like I don't really care for right what they say. I think let's let's give our top three most annoying fan bases. Okay, so I think we would. I mean, I I don't like Orlando. I don't like Atlanta, and then I put the red the New York teams together. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I basically agree I'd with say that, those yeah. three. So yeah, those are the being in the East. I feel like those are the three fan bases that are really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones, eh, you know, bug me. Whatever. I feel like Seattle and Atlanta are like the same kind of villain to each conference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bradley, we mentioned this last podcast. Uh, Michael Bradley had a six and a half million dollar clause that would kick in if they won MLS Cup, and then it was brought up in the broadcast. Uh, how do you think he's feeling right now? And do you feel any sympathy for him? No, uh, I mean not really. I think he played a great. I think he actually played a pretty great game. He was he, really, yeah, he, like, he really looked like he was everywhere. <laughs> he looked like he was playing for six point five million dollars. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah, he was. He was covering ground. He was like really, really defensive. Like, uh, like always stop at uh Seattle. But um, was was he the best U.S. player on the field between him, Roldan, Jordan Morris, Josie Altidore? I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Morris had he had that early kind of breakaway chance, but he wasn't super influential in this game. I didn't see him. I don't know. Roller Dan is always pretty quiet. Yeah. And I mean, Josie had the goal, but I don't know. He didn't do too much else um, in his minutes. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think Bradley was definitely the best American. It's, I mean, Fry is up. He's an American. Oh, but he, yeah. He, he didn't, have, didn't have to deal with too much. That's true. Um, I forget what I was gonna say. We don't anything. We don't have to talk about too much more about MLS Cup. Yeah, I guess that's good. Yeah. I, uh, At least yeah. now that now it's over. Uh, now we can talk about 2020. Like that's finally kind of the the all we have to talk about now. Right. Yeah. Coming up. Um. Next week we'll talk about uh the expansion draft and who the union should protect because right. it won't be out yet. Right. The expansion draft. The, the list of protected players. Oh no, I don't know. I don't know when they pick it, but I feel like it's right before the the draft is yeah. done or like taking place. So I think we'll we'll record ours before that happens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Luke made up a rumor for the union, and so go ahead and tell me the rumor and and why it's made up. Okay. Yeah. So first, <laughs> first of all, it's based off. We had a conversation last uh, last episode about how to deal with Harris and maybe if. Like think about replacements for you know future defensive midfielders, and there, I saw like a random post on Twitter from like a random MLS like rumors account that Will Trap is from uh, Columbus Columbus Crew is is taking offers for Will Trap. They're inter- they're like you know interested in possibly selling him or whatever. And I was thinking like that's an interesting option. Like there's no there's no connection to the unit. It's just like a made up post or whatever. I don't even know if it's real, but. I think like a player like him could be a pretty interesting uh, addition to the union in replacing Harris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I know he's like not like everyone's favorite because he doesn't do much for the U.S. But like, I, I heard the U.S. national team is offering him uh, sixteen years and three thousand million hundreds of gazillion dollars to play for them because Berhalter loves them. That's fair, but like, yo, okay. First of all, he played in like one of the past seven games for for U.S. So he's that he's not like. But it feels like it's every game. Sure, because he's in the roster. <laughs> but like, I don't know. He's as shows also that he does have quality. But for MLS, like he's, I feel like I see him as like almost like a Brian Carroll light, like almost like a Brian Carroll mixed with like a little bit of Bedoya with like the the work rate. Like, he's, do not dare. Tell me that Will Trap is Brian Carroll and Bedoya. No, like he has a bit of those, those two sacred names. <laughs> With Mr. Will, I can't spell Will correct, and I can't spell Trap Trap correct. He, he has a bit of those kind of aspects, and I feel like uh, I feel like in replacing Harris, a player like him is kind of the ideal. Uh, I don't know, an ideal um, option. That kind of player, at least. Uh, Luke, you just this podcast is canceled. Yeah. Um, okay, that's that's, uh, that's fair. Awful. I mean, I knew I was taking a risk with this, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I I get what you're saying. I would be so uninspired if yeah. they said if they brought in Will Trap. I I I think I would want. I'm not saying I agree um, with it. It was just like I don't know. We have nothing else to talk about. There's no other rumors. I'm making them up. Yeah, you you said you're all in on this, and uh, <laughs> I saw your credit card receipt of uh, Will Trap Union jersey. So yeah, I mean, 
Why not? <laughs> why, why not? Um, yeah, uh, if Will Trapp joins the union, um, I don't think the fan base would be very excited. I, I just would prefer someone either younger or older or the same age, but yeah. th- not named Will Trapp. So it's fair. No, it's fair. Um, it's again, this is made up. All right, so I have a made up rumor for you. Uh, and then you're, you're going to like this and be like, man, this is so much better. Uh-huh. So I went on to Transfer Market and looked at free agents. And one of the top free agents available is a striker. Um, a striker who currently is a free agent. That sounds good, right? A current, um, he's an African guy uh, with um, national team experience for the Ivory Coast. He's played at some big clubs in Europe, but right now is without a team. He is valued at about $5 million, so not an extraordinary price tag. Um, so right now you're hearing it from uh, AJ on the Doofy Brothers. Wilfred Boney will be the union's next big signing. Wow. Um, so go put that on an Instagram random page. I'll, yeah, I'll, cre- I'll create a, a bot. <laughs> Union rumors. <laughs> So what what do you think about a guy like Wilfred Boney? Five five million dollars. Let's say the union have to pay five million. He's a free agent, so I guess that means no no transfer fee, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean that's a. I I wouldn't mind it. That's a, that's not too much money. That's I feel like that's a guy who's he's pretty much proven. How what what would you say his age was? Um, his age is thirty. Okay, yeah, that's not height, too old. His height is one point eight three meters. Okay. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> his birthday's coming up. Okay, that's cool. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's that's pretty good. He, I, I kind of. I mean, I recognize his name. He's not like a superstar, but he's probably he's got some quality. I think that it could be interesting. I don't. I mean, I don't know how how he plays or what his style is like, but uh, he's right footed. Cool. Yeah. What else? What else does Wikipedia page say? Um. Wait. Let's not get into. It. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it'd be a cool big striker, and uh, I think it'd be a guy that kind of brings excitement. Um, he'd be a little more than. You know, Fabian. But again, if you bring him in on a Fabian type deal, bring him in for a season with an option, a team option. Yeah, I think it'd be a cool guy to bring in. Yeah, last, it's not bad. Last season was with uh was Swansea, who had Bob Bradley. So maybe right. Bob Bradley was like, "Oh, Willie, my friend, come on over to MLS, but don't play for me. Don't play for me. I have Carlos Vela. I don't need a goal scorer. Go to the Union in the East. That'd be so perfect." Um, so that's my made up striker uh, rumor. Um, pretty good. We'll have more made-up rumors every week, apparently. Yeah, I mean, until the union give us a rumor. Yeah. Because right now we're in the middle of a two-day transfer window. Yeah, nothing's really happening. Yeah, I mean, Nagby was moved. Dax McCarty was moved. Um, Oloa, Ojoa, however you say it, was moved to Miami. And then Romney to Nashville. It's like not, I mean, I guess Nagby's kind of a big big deal, but... um, Yeah, nothing crazy. But Nagby was also very predictable and that uh going to caleb porter and that back that backs up my will trap rumor so yeah it's oh yeah (laughs) shoot okay okay i just bought a will trap jersey lock it down um one thing that bugs me is inner miami i think i've talked about this before but like they don't have a coach yet and does natural have a coach i don't know but they don't they have at least have a team Uh, it's a usl team it's not going to be the same like they might take a couple of these players. It's going to be a new roster, right? Like they're not going to have that. U- the USL team is still going to exist. But like, so who's Derek Jones playing for? The na- the USL team, but isn't he going to be moved up to the right. MLS so, team? So they do have some of a like. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, base. Okay. Like that's just kind of what I'm saying. Is like, so this inner Miami, like they don't right. have anyone kicking a soccer ball for them right now, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. Like on a field at a goal, sure. And and they don't have a guy to. Tell them to do that. Tell them to do that. <laughs> and do they They don't really have like a place for them to do that. But yet, I feel like people talk about this team all the time. And I, I just saw another rumor um, about another player. And it's just like, it's just this team that's constantly yeah, rumors and like rumors. And it's like, I mean, the Union are a real team and we don't have rumors, which is fine. But like, I'm just sick of this team that's not made up but making up made up rumors uh, you know what i'm saying I, I don't know it's dumb i mean they need players so like rumors are gonna happen like they need to get players so yeah yeah they that's need why rumors like rumors, we don't need we yeah, have a roster it, it so. shouldn't be rumors it should be actual signings <laughs> yeah, like, sign, I, I guess like get a coach yeah, get, that's true get a player get a coach yeah 
Oh yeah. Yeah, so we're just kind of waiting around for union uh things to happen, but I feel like it's gonna be a, a bit since uh, it's like November thirtieth, everyone's still under contract, and then things start to happen in December, I guess. Yeah. This and then there's like the uh, the expansion draft and all these kind of things, but all the the the, the silly season kind of is a, is off to a slow start. One of the silliest things I read today was from a guy who's tied to the unions in the past, Ernie Stewart. Oh yeah, good transition. Yeah, uh, Ernie Ernie made comments about Greg Berhalter's job being safe. So don't know. Greg Berhalter is a U.S. national team coach, and the U.S. national team um, stinks a big one right now. They play Canada again in like three days from our recording night. And the last time we played Canada, we lost two nothing, and it was really uninspired and really like boring to watch. And Ernie comes out and says, "Nah, Berhalter's job is safe. Yeah, it's cool. I'm not going to take it by uh, one game in isolation." But like, what? I mean, I feel like it's funny watching Twitter because like all of Union people are like, "No, yeah, we we saw that coming." Or, we told uh, you. We told you. Yeah, it's like nothing. This is what he does. It, 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 I really hate to bring it up because I was in, I was so excited when Ernie was brought in, and I think most people were. And like I grew up with the '94 World Cup, where Ernie Stewart, um, you know, scored the goal against Colombia and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And like again, like he has, he did, he did do some good things for the Union. And yeah, I, yeah I'm not sh- I, you yeah. with the U.S. I really I hate talking about the U.S. soccer team, the men's soccer team, because it's just like there's just no what positive storyline can we get out of this team from and we haven't had a good positive storyline for like years with this yeah, team and it's just it been, been i don't tough. know it's just, it's just frustrating and I'm, I'm getting not bored of them but it's just like I, but no i i would say bored would be a word to use yeah and it's like berhalter's calling in these guys like i don't know like will trap uh you know future union bench player <laughs> uh zardes is now a like mainstay in the national team. Right. Um well, okay, one thing. One okay. thing positive that like cuz it's like with this team, I feel like the, all these players are like decent and they should have been better, but like no one really progressed. Like or, or a lot of these right. guys. Mm-hmm. But the one guy who I saw this and and that's why I I started I wanted to like root for Seattle was Jordan Morris. I think he took such a big step forward this past year. Like and especially after a huge serious injury his Torres LCL the previous year, but he came back like he came back so much stronger and better and like improved on his very obvious weaknesses which was like not using his left foot. And like that's like the one thing like oh, US men's soccer team players can improve and get better from and while playing in like MLS or or whatever like but like there's that's a, not. That is, I would say that has nothing. That's nothing to do with Ernie Stewart. Oh, I don't. Greg yeah, I don't, I don't care. I'm just saying, like in general, U.S. soccer. Okay. Like it's uh, like I, there's a there's a light. There's a, a little. Oh, okay. Yeah, like because there's this whole a, team just then like I don't. I couldn't like. So you're saying there's a chance? Not. I don't even know. I'm just saying that's like there's one bit of positivity that I've seen that like it 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 was hard to find. It was always like oh these youth this next generations they could be good. They're give them a chance. Like you know. We didn't really see that yet. We haven't seen, like, we've seen some of these players get chances, but not, like, the full chances that, like, you know, they're still testing out Rodan and Zardes and all these guys. But, like, Jordan Morris is, like, one of those guys. He's like, oh, wait, he actually has improved and he's earned a spot on this team. Do you think if Greg Berhalter's results were happening in a European country, he would still have a job? On, like, a club team? or No, on a a national stage. I don't. Prob- maybe probably not right but i i don't know it wasn't like and what about the way the team when you're watching them like the way you feel when you're watching them would that like i just feel like i don't know like i, I feel I, like I the way think... i feel about them doesn't just it's from before rick burhalter it's from the loss at trinidad and there's like a whole year in between burhalter and then that like kind of created this sour taste in my, in my mouth watching this team. And so part of me is just trying to bring it back to like Ernie Stewart. Like, I don't think Ernie is exactly the guy who is uh, going to be aggressive and like demanding spark in, wins. Spark inspiration. And, yeah, and being like, yo, we need to get wins. We need to get players coming in with uh, fire under their butt to, to win because it felt like when he was with the Union, yeah, I, he did good stuff. Um, you know, we got young guys coming up now who who would have to thank Ernie Stewart for a lot of their early success. But 
with the main team, he was always kind of saying like, well, winning's not what this is about. It's more about development of players. But like right now you're at the national team and like Ernie Stewart, there isn't somewhere, there isn't like a galaxy competition where like we're training for. This is like the, this, this is the pinnacle. This is where like, if you make it to this team, you need to be screaming at guys to win. And I know Ernie wants to win. And I, I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't want to win, but it just never, like Ernst came in and I feel like he had more of a urgency to win right away, if that makes sense. Like, right. And, and I was listening to, uh, Ike Opara and he was talking about how some teams in MLS, Toronto and Seattle being two of these teams, when you come into this team, there's an expectation of getting wins. There isn't an expectation of just like coming in to play soccer. It's an expectation. You walk in to that locker room there. You're there. You are there to win. And he specifically said that there are teams in the league that that's not the mentality that winning is like there, but like the mentality is soccer is like a job. And but Seattle and Toronto, who over the past four years have shown that they are in the league to win um, MLS Cup, that when you walk into that, that locker room, that's the sole expectation. And I feel like with Ernie Stewart, that wasn't exactly the overall feeling definitely as, not with the as union. much as with the union but like with the national team like greg Berthal berhalter has like two weeks with a group of players before they have to play a game and so it's not like you have that time to develop players you don't have that time to really build and develop it's like all right i have these 23 guys 30 guys coming into camp I need to figure out how can I get a win in 14 days from right now. And there's like no other option. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Thoughts? Don't, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it's tough. I also like, I don't know what Ernie Stewart's job is. Like, I don't know what he's supposed to be doing besides like helping Greg out. I, I, I don't really get what the, the GM does for U.S. soccer, but I don't know. I just I don't I don't have a lot of interest in talking about U.S. soccer, U.S. men's soccer, because it just just bums me out. And I I I'm really actually I'm looking forward to the, the U23s because that's a, a lot of hope. The there's that that team sounds like they have a lot more better chemistry and a lot of better like mentality. But so what what are they doing right now? What's the U23s? They're, they're in camp, but they okay. they have the the Olympic qualifying in like March and the Olympics and okay. Olympics in end of the summer. So what players from the union do you expect to be with the U23s? So, I mean, Aronson, it looks like he's creating a, a good chance to be in that in that team. And uh, probably, probably a big co- uh, contributor, right? Possibly. I mean, there's there's some good midfielders like Mendez, uh, Ledesma. Like, there's there's a, there's a lot of good midfielders, like guys coming from Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I, I heard that, like, uh, I think Matt Freeze is, uh, is one of the top keepers from the group, too. And okay. it seems like I know... Um, in the Olympics, uh, they call in like three veterans, and mm-hmm. I feel like apparently they usually usually do a goalkeeper. So it might be like he might get bumped down from like Zach Steffen or whatever uh, in the actual Olympics. But like he's gonna be seems like he's gonna be on that team. And then I feel like Mackenzie Trusty definitely have a good shot in, mm-hmm. in the center backs. But um, that's that, I don't know. Like think about like that group of guys. Like that that team seems way more uh, exciting than than this veteran this uh, senior team. Yeah, yo, uh, you just brought up Trusty. We I don't think we've had a podcast since quotes from him came out. Oh yeah, there were quotes that so uh, some reporters are at training and talking to Trusty, and he he said that oh gosh um, I don't have it and I don't have my glasses on right now so I'm not gonna read it, um, but something along the lines that something may have happened behind the scenes and but it was real kind of encoded and like just nothingness kind of talk and i don't know if we're ever going to really find out what happened to make him lose his job and if it was even anything like maybe it may have just been because he made it sound like it was an off the field kind of thing right something more he, than then he did kind of walk back his quotes he, he apologized for saying it that way but it did leave a lot of questions yeah because granted it came off um him losing his job i think it's a granite but i meant granted granted he uh lost his job. I think it was after a four zero loss, and that was after like another four zero loss. Like we were we were not in a good run of form, so changes were needed. 
Um, but like the quotes just kind of left it as like there may have been some off the field drama within yeah, the union I, locker room. I have the quote up now. It says, You can't really get into it right now, but I'll get into it some point in the future. You guys will find out the truth. And I was just like, What? And so all of us are just kind of speculating, like, I don't know. I and and we've seen union players kind of go through this thing where, you know, you're a good player and then you're literally knocked off the face of the earth and not ever played yeah. again. Like so Rosenberry was one. Right. And that who else? It was in uh was Elliot, didn't he like get pushed to the back for a while? Uh maybe, maybe. I, th- I feel like that may have been that was that less was, dramatic was, of a, a dramatic. thing. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There uh, there's definitely way more dramatic things with like Carlos Valdez and stuff like that, uh-huh. but yeah, I don't know. This was interesting. Uh, I, it, yeah, it's not much we can really read into. I, 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 he's also just like a, a pretty, still kind of young, young dude who maybe just misspoke, and and so I, I don't, I don't want to put too much on him, but I at don't least, know. It's interesting. Yeah, I guess, I guess one spin would be, at least he was like annoyed about not playing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely seems like he's, he has a chip on his shoulder, and that yeah. is not as that could be a good thing so you know yeah. we'll see could it could it could just become like a really interesting center back uh battle for for the starting spot in this offseason yeah i mean i i mean i've been on record saying i hope he comes back i, I want him mckenzie and elliot just battle for those three yeah and make it really hard on jim to uh keep one out but according to these quotes it seems like it was pretty easy to keep them out but yeah so yeah we'll see um Let's kind of wrap up this first segment with, uh, we always like to do some silly predictions. So last week we predicted what league our first signing of the offseason would come from. Nothing's happened yet. Uh, As of right now, there's no real rumors. So if you had to guess what position our first signing would be for, so with knowledge of knowing who's kind of leaving at this point and who's, who's kind of staying, what position do you think will be our first signing? Um, I'm going to just uh, make it not too specific. I'll just say midfielder. Mm-hmm. I think there's the most uh, kind of uh, positions to fill in that in, in midfield. So I think that's going to be midfielder. Yeah, I'd agree. I think our strikers, we have what four or five strikers. Yeah, we could easily. maybe like add a striker and maybe a couple defenders. But I think midfield, there's definitely a lot more that could get shifted around. Yeah, I mean, once you get, well, I guess Boney's a striker. So I guess Wilford Boney. But if not him... I mean, defense is pretty set. Yeah, strikers are pretty set, other than Boney, and then yeah. So midfield, I think, and Grant, there's also the most spots in the midfield that you sure. Can. But like, it's also like Montero's basically gone. Fabian's basically gone. Um, but Doya and Harris are getting old. Yeah, and, and there's a couple guys with like options that we we'll see if they get picked up, but possibly not. So there, there could be a lot of more uh, holes to fill in midfield. Yep. Cool. Well, guys, uh, thanks for listening to the DP Brothers. Stay tuned for an interview with our guy, Jeff Mitchell, one of uh, the most positive and inspiring Philadelphia Union fans that we've gotten a chance to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for there's a little bit of uh, audio troubles, but uh, it's worth sticking through because Jeff says a a lot of really great things and we really appreciate him coming on for for the talk. Um, So that's it for the DP Brothers. Uh, Look forward to talking to you guys again next week. We have another great guest we'll be tweeting about her and uh getting everyone hyped for that next one but enjoy this interview with mr father of ben king of posadelphia jeff mitchell hey guys db brothers podcast here it's me and luke we're talking uh tonight with jeffrey mitchell he is the king of posadelphia and um one of the faces of the philadelphia union supporters so uh jeff we want to welcome you to the db brothers podcast Oh, thanks for having me, man. Uh, long-time listener. I uh, love promoting you guys with those stickers you guys send out, and I'm um, just happy to be on the show. Yeah, you really were one of the first people to jump on the sticker and, uh, you know, post them around. So we appreciate you always kind of having our backs and helping helping us grow. Hey, man, it's good for everybody. It's good for the team. You know, it's, it's good for uh, you guys. It's good for everybody. So you try to lift everybody up around you. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. We appreciate it so much. So first, our first question for you, um, pretty general one. So like, 
what what got you interested in the union? What got you interested in Sons of Ben? What kind of led you to uh to all this? Uh sure. I'll you know I'll try to keep it uh, semi brief, but uh grew up a soccer fan. Uh I played uh U8 soccer in Roxborough with the Roxborough Indians that are now Roxborough United. You know, grew up loving the sport, but there was never much content here. Around 94, the World Cup came. We started getting announcements for, you know, the MLS coming. And, you know, you thought for sure that Philly was going to be one of the first teams that they added. And, of course, it wasn't. And, you know, you guys you guys are familiar with the story. But uh, it took a bunch of guys in uh, 2007 that were like, let's start a supporters group for a team that doesn't exist. And the Sons of Ben brought soccer to Philly. And like I said, I've I've always been a fan of the game, and to have a, a team of my own finally is just like a dream, like beyond words. I love it. That's awesome. Um, random story, and I, I I have to ask. So, in maybe like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, MLS had a four v four tournament in Philly, MLS Pupilito, and I brought up my college, some college buddies, and we played at it. And that was my first experience with the Sons of Ben. Uh, they were they had a couple teams in it, and every time we were paired up against the Sons of Ben team, we hated it because everyone sort like there's tons of Sons of Ben at this tournament, and they all surrounded the field and cheered against us. And so I just had to ask, do you remember? Were you there? Do you remember that at all, or is that just completely random? No, no, I wasn't there. Uh, I actually, like, came into the Sons of Ben more, like, surprisingly, when the team actually came to the area around, you know, 2010. Because, you know, like most Philadelphians, I wasn't always uh, Mr. Positelphia. Back then, you know, I saw these guys, heard what they were doing, and I was like, man, these guys have a snowball's chance in hell of actually making this happen. And, uh, you know, they made me eat my words. But, uh, you know, I, I followed along, you know, on the internet and big soccer and I remember those tournaments and them doing Help Kick Hunger in 2000, I think it was like nine, right when the stadium was about to be built. Like, yeah, just these guys and their story, you know, you can go see the uh, Sons of Ben movie on Netflix. You know, you can go read the 442 article about them before they even had a team. It's just, it's something that is just unrivaled in the sports world. It's pretty amazing what those guys did. Yeah, no doubt about that. That is, it's, yeah, definitely one of the best sports stories out there. Um, and you mentioned turning Positelphian, and when this year do you feel like was the turning point for you going from, you know, all of us are classic Negladelphians to you really were leading the charge as far as a Positelphian? Yeah, like, you know, I grew up in Philly, like born and raised. I actually named my son Benjamin Franklin after the supporters group and because I love this city and like, you know, with the other sports, you just got caught up in it. The Phillies have 10,000 losses. The Eagles have put us through some dark days. You know, the process with the Sixers, the Flyers winning these cups when they first started and then just going through the drought. We got caught up in that Negadelphia. And, like, you know, after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, like, it just changed my perspective on everything. It wasn't even the Phillies World Series, but that Super Bowl, because it seemed like this town was never going to have the Lombardi Trophy. And when that happened, I was like, why can't we focus this like into soccer and I've always been really positive about the union because I'm like it's different than just being a fan like you're a supporter and to me that means like coming into every game like expecting to win and I don't understand the idea of coming into it with a negative attitude or thinking you're going to lose I'm like go out and enjoy yourself and then let the outcome fall where it may right that's such a that's just a healthier way to approach the game too I feel like a lot of uh a lot of us could uh, learn from that, I would say. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I, it, and like I said, there's, you know, everyone's got their own way to fandom. I try not to police people. I do like to have fun with some of the right. negative guys out there, but uh, just be positive, man. And like I said, this year, people kind of got onto the Positelphia uh, train, and like we had our best season ever. You know what I mean? We we didn't get that trophy we wanted, but I'm like, I had more fun this year with people kind of buying into that positive mental attitude than I've had like probably since the beginning when the team was fresh and new. Like, it just feels like we're turning this corner finally. And, like, just the fan base is, like, young and reinvigorated. This season, like, everyone kind of got on board with the Positelphia movement, the positive attitude, and the team did great. It felt like the locker room was feeding off it. You saw the Jim Curtin interviews and the behind-the-scenes. Like, this team just looked like it believed in itself, and it felt like 
we should believe in them too, you know, instead of just deciding that bad things are going to happen before anything happens. Yeah, so do you feel like within the Riverend and within the Sons of Ben, did it feel different? Uh, did it feel, um, what was your, like, experience? Like, how was it different this year within the fandom? Within uh, you the know, stadium, I guess. Sure, I mean, you know, it's always different. But this year I just noticed – a lot of new faces, which I love. I know a lot of people have conflicting ideas and some people have this, I was there since 07 or I was there since 010 or I was there since year two. But I feel like anybody that comes into that stadium is as big as union fan as I am. They pay their money. They're there to cheer for the team. And I'm like, I love seeing new faces because that means it's growing. You know, I have a nine-year-old and he hasn't known a time in Philadelphia without professional soccer. And we're starting to see, more kids like that become adults and come to the river end. And I love it. That's awesome. Um, so next year, uh, me and Luke are planning on joining the sons of Ben. We started this whole podcast just to kind of get into, you know, being a little more part of the team and getting to know some more people. So the next natural step would be joining the sons of Ben. We live in Virginia, so it's kind of a little tougher for us. So it never really made much sense before, but now we just can't resist. Yeah. You guys are, <laughs> It's just looks like too much fun. It's, so, yeah, so what would you the, say to, like, guys like us or to people who also might be interested in joining the Sons of Ben after seeing, like, a, such a successful year with the union? Like, what, what would you kind of say to, to people like us, maybe? I think it's incredible, just like I said, to support that movement that brought this team here. And, you know, you pay your, your membership fee. I'm not sure what it is this year, but maybe, like, $35, $40. And you just get this, like, you get this great membership packet. There's usually a scarf that's worth at, worth at least $25, pins, scarves. But beyond that, like, you become part of something bigger than yourself. And like I said, just the spirit of these guys in 2007 that were like, we are not going to stop until we get what we want. And that's, like, the positive attitude that I want, like, with MLS Cup, with U.S. Open Cup, with getting to the CONCACAF Champions League. Like, I think everyone should buy in. And that said, if you can't afford a Sons of Ben membership, I get it. Like, you're welcome. If if you have never been to a game and you're like, I want to go stand with the Sons of Ben, my family is in Section 136, Row H, seats 20 to 22. Find me on Twitter. Tell me, Jeff, I want to come to a game. I have no one to go with. Like, and come join me. Be part of my family. You're the man, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> it's <just> like... <laughs> That's it right there. That's what it's all about. Uh, so glad you're on this. This is great. Um, so I guess, what was your favorite part of this year? Just broad or as specific as you want to be. What was your favorite part of the uh, 2019 Union season? Well, this year was uh, really special. Uh, you know, I got named co-supporter of the year. And, you know, I'm not in this yeah. for awards or, or for recognition, but like, it, like it just you know like I love this team so much that like it felt good to know that they love me as much as I love them and you know like that 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 was a great way to start off the season when I did my first kick you know to shake hands with Anthony Fontana and just that the, the, these players know my name and more importantly like that they know my son's name and like these guys like it's more than just you know like a, a local sports celebrity like these guys actually know us from Twitter there's such a small like fishbowl in MLS, especially in Philadelphia, that you are bonded with these players and the coaches and the staff way more than you are with any other team in the city. And like, I love that. And this year, it just felt like we were along the ride together. Like, you know, seeing Jim succeed. And like I said, seeing my son who I brought to like, you know, the first home playoff game in 2011, getting to experience that win with him and my wife, and, you know, 18,000 of my closest friends at Town Energy Stadium, like, it was just magic. Yeah, so that game, I mean, going back to your first kick, uh, I feel like I remember we won that game. Is that correct? We did. It was funny, like, you know, we were joked about it. We said it kind of was like uh, when the season kind of turned around, you know, we started off really rocky. And even later in the year, when I ran into Fontana, I was like, you guys are going to give me the assist for kickstarting the season, right? <laughs> and like, you know, <laughs> like the the guys all love that too. And like, you know, they know that I'm there every game before the game, you know, cheering for them, you know, going out to support them at local events and they help us with charity. So like I said, it's more than just 
you know, I cheer for Carson Wentz every week and, you know, nothing against him, but, you know, I'm never going to have that FaceTime and my son's not going to have that FaceTime, but these guys, it is a family. Ray Gaddis uh, held my son at the River Cup, which is when the sons have been in the union front office, used to play against each other in a charity game, like on his lap when he was about three years old. And, uh, you know, he still remembers my son's name. Ben met Sebastian Latou when he was one month old and Sebastian Latou has never forgotten his name. You know, it is pretty memorable, but Seba remembers everyone's name. And like, that just makes this thing so special. Well, that's, yeah, it's awesome. Um, one thing you mentioned was uh, charities and, and one that's kind of been uh, mentioned was Help Kick Hunger. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was like the very first uh, event that the Sons of N put on. They came into Chester, you know, and it was like this thing, you know, even if you see the documentary, you just hear about the bad things in Chester. So when they tell you they're going to put this team that you've been working three years for in Chester, you know, some people were like thrown off guard and taken aback. But then once we got to know, you know, we looked past the stigma of Chester and got to know the people of Chester, like, there's such amazing people that live there and work there and are just great people. And the Bernadine center was the first one that they linked up with. They teach English as a second language. They help, help people get resumes together. You know, they have computers that they can use uh, the food bank. And it's just like, there's this thriving community. Now, even the downtown center, the art center, uh, there's a guy, Kenneth Picasso hunt online. That's just like this amazing artist doing great things for his city. So it's like, you know, people make fun of us for playing in Chester, but I've grown to love that place. I've taken my son's to, like son to cleanups there with the sons of Ben, and it's just amazing. You know, it was a shame. There was that article in The Athletic, and I get it. Not everyone has benefited from the team being in Chester, but it totally didn't look into the positive aspect of, like, Chester United and Chester Upland soccer and bringing Chester soccer to to the high school for the first time in 30 years. There's just this amazing connection between the front office and the Sons of Ben in the city. And, like, I want more people to know about that. It isn't just about going to soccer games on the weekend. Like, that's our home now. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, one thing you bring up a lot is, is your son. And, and as you were talking and said that he doesn't know the city without Philadelphia Union and, and – that just is kind of a mind-blowing thing as, like, I grew up and Luke grew up. Philadelphia soccer was just like a fantasy. And now yeah. it's... Um, we, were, we were technically DC United fans for a moment. We were growing up just because that was the, the team. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of Sons of Ben guys were. And we forgive you for that. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's gone completely opposite at this point. That's right. That's right. You've been saved. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, it's crazy. That's I think about right. kids growing up and, like, I, I, your son doesn't know the team like anything other than teams. So that's that's just it's really cool to think about kids. This whole generation of kids growing up in the union is a regular known thing. Yeah, he was born in September 2010 and uh, watched his first game on the couch. It was against Kansas City Wizards uh, when he was probably like three or four days old. And like I said, this kid will never know a time in Philadelphia without professional soccer, and that's incredible. And you know, he plays at Roxborough United. I coach the U11 team. And there's this whole generation of kids that is growing up, like, with that they can play professional soccer in their home city. Like, what a great thing for them to grow up in a world like that, you know, where, like I said, back when I loved soccer when I was eight, there was nothing. And even when I was older, I would go out to Philadelphia Charge Games, which was the women's professional team at Villanova, just because I was so hungry and desperate for anything soccer related in Philadelphia. That's pretty sweet. And so you said Roxborough United, where your son plays, they have a, a partnership with the union. Could you speak uh, a little bit more about that one? Yeah, we, we have this great partnership. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, you guys are from down south, but uh, in Philadelphia, there's this great soccer history, but it kind of, you know, with no professional sports team here, you know, sports kind of gravitated towards baseball and football and hockey and basketball. But now there's this professional soccer team in our backyard. And, you know, you know, the U.S. pay for play model. It's a shame. And, you know, I don't begrudge anybody that can send their kids to thousand dollar soccer academies. But 
in the inner city, they don't have that opportunity. It's usually all volunteer programs. Like our program is all volunteer. So the coaches are parents, usually ones that have never even played soccer, just coaching so their kids can play. But we partnered with the union to bring academy level training into the city. And now these kids are working with trainers that are training at the union academy. And, you know, uh, David Pedikin, the youth general manager, is just using this program and all the profits from the program actually fund the Chester High School soccer program. So it's like they're bringing quality instruction into the city and we're putting money back into Chester to get them a soccer program. It's like this great symbiotic relationship between Philadelphia and Chester. And like, I'm so proud to be a part of it and just raise these kids, even if they don't go on to play soccer, like to give them a love for this game that you guys know, like it's the beautiful game for a reason. Like, you can go anywhere in the world and you can bond over the love of soccer. Oh, that's awesome. I, I appreciate you explaining that because I knew you guys had a partnership. I didn't realize how intertwined it was with Chester and uh, between the union and all that. So that's, that's a really cool explanation and kind of sharing that connection there really pulled it all together. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, our program right now probably has about 300 plus kids and this year we got to bring so many young kids to their first soccer game, you know, as Roxbury United and just, just to see the look in their eyes down in Chester and like to hear kids say like, I want to play for the union when I grow up. Like, it's just so special to me. Like, I love this game. I love helping these kids become better people through teaching them the game because unlike, I mean, there's so many team sports, but in soccer, it's 11 people on the field. There's no timeout. So when you're out there, you have to learn how to work as one unit, you know, without stoppages, without timeouts. So it really gives these kids this great life advice of like, and how to work with people of all nationalities, like soccer so multicultural, all languages, all religions, like it doesn't matter. Like this game just brings everybody together. That is, that is it, man. Yeah, I feel like you're working and living on a different level than the rest of us, Jeff. It's just been... I feel so much better as listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, I love it. And like I said, why, and like, I don't begrudge anybody, but why would you be negative about something that's so incredible? Like, it's amazing. Is the union perfect? No, but like, it's this beautiful thing that we share together. You know, I have my brother, El Parcero Philly, and, uh, you know, people from all, either sons have been members in Japan. Uh, I have this friend, Christine, who's in Germany that is from the same town that Casper Shabilko's from, like just this beautiful network of people all united. Like it's amazing. It, that is just phenomenal, man. Um, yeah. So I got a question for you for the union, union base. Sure. Uh, Go ahead. 2020, who is your dream player for the union to bring in? Oh my gosh, man! That and is we'll that's say, a, we'll say no budget, man. No budget. That one is that's so tough, man. But uh, just like, could you imagine bringing in a guy like Christian Pulisic? Like this guy, you know, if MLS was a little more structured and like it advanced, and it's getting there. But this guy's from Hershey. In ten years, right. I'm hoping guys like that are coming directly here. You know what I mean? Uh. You know, nothing against him. I would take that money and go to Chelsea or go to Germany. But uh, just to bring in a young, energetic American guy like that. I know there's, like, sexier names like Messi and, and you know, Ronaldo. But I'm like, just to see the American game thrive, like, and hopefully he's that guy. Seeing what he's done at Chelsea, even though, you know, everyone was writing him off and saying he was too young or he wasn't going to get the start. And then he doesn't complain. He doesn't do anything on Twitter. He just gets to work and he puts goals in the net. And like, that's the kind of guy you want on your team. If like, if I'm the manager, if I'm the general manager, I want a guy that's just there to do work because we're working class city, yeah. man. He's pretty great. I, I have a, like a dream that like he comes back and finishes his career with a union, just like come back to his like home state. How amazing would that be? Yeah, I'm with that's that. Yeah, like, you know as sexy as the uh, Balotelli, the fun we had on Twitter, or the <laughs> Carlos Tevez to the union. Like, I want a guy that's just going to work hard. I don't care if it's, like, a, not a marquee name on the back of his jersey. Like, give me that guy that's like a Sebastian Latou that's going to come do work. You know, I don't want those Latan that's world-class player, but 
he just it's about Zlatan, you know what I mean? I want a guy that as invested in this as we are and like you know, a guy like Polisic would be amazing, I think. And uh, if you're listening, Christian, I know this is your favorite union podcast. Please come to Philly Amen. Amen. when you're when you're done taking over Europe. We're ready for you. <laughs> Man, that was a that was a pretty perfect answer. You really you really nailed everything so far. Um, let's go to um, what would be like maybe like a future of the dreams for the the River End and how the the Sons of Ben would grow in the future and I don't know maybe like stadium expansion or like more city influence. Is there any like kind of ideas for uh, the future of of the group? It's one of those things, man. For me, you know, you dream of those days of expanding the stadium, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, for me, it's just bringing in that one new fan. And I yeah, I've had people that are like, you know, Jeff, because of you, I went to my first game or. I was on Twitter and I was looking for tickets and you found me like a free ticket and let me stand with you. Like that's my goal every week, uh, you know, every year is just to keep bringing in one new fan because everybody that we bring to games or if we can't make a game, we make sure we give our tickets to somebody that has never been to a game because once you get down there in that atmosphere, like you're hooked. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and, like, I, there's nothing better to me than watching somebody experience their first game at Town Energy Stadium. Yeah, that's the truth, man. That is that is awesome. Um, yeah, hopefully after this year's success, we'll just keep building the stadium like we were at the end of the year. And hopefully the Union keep bringing it like they did this year. This this year was so much fun being there. Yeah, I think Ernst Tanner um, just, you know, has Ernst Tanner wants to win, man, and Jim wants to win. You know, people give Jim, you know, a lot of grief and whatever. I coach soccer, but I'm not the most tactically proficient guy. But if you think that Jim Curtin doesn't care more about this team than anybody in the city, like, you're wrong. This guy, like, is definitely haunted by those Open Cup losses and, you know, going out in the in the you know first round of the playoffs for, you know, whatever, a couple years. Like, Jim lives for this and he dies for this, man. And like that's so important to remember that even though we give these guys grief, like if you find me a coach that cares more about this city or this team than Jim Curtin, I don't think it's possible. No arguments here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jeff, it's been great having you on. Um, one of the things I look most forward to in 2020 is coming out to a Sons of Ben tailgate with you guys and, hanging out, sitting in the river, or not sitting, I guess, standing up in the river end and singing <laughs> along with you guys. Yeah, come out. And I want to encourage everybody. The Sons of Ben have tailgates every home game. And, you know, I forget the price because I'm just so used to doing I think it's uh, 15 for members and 20 for non-members. But all you can eat, all you can drink. And like I said, if you don't know somebody there, like hit me up on Twitter, at Father of Ben. You can sit with me. You can stand with me like, I welcome everybody with open arms and, you know, you don't have to pack any food then or, you know, come to the Sons of Ben tailgate, then run over to the Larimer, come back to the Sons of Ben tailgate, like come out and enjoy. Like it's such a great atmosphere and a great place to hang out before the games. And we've had, you know, like Ernst Tanner come out. We've had Ron Jaworski there, like random people show up at the tailgates. It's incredible. Yeah, can't, can't wait to come out. Uh is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap this up? No, just, uh, you know, Help Kip Conger's coming up November 23rd at the Larimer. Uh, I believe it's from 6 to 9 p.m. I don't have the price off the top of my head, but, you know, you can go to sonsofben.ticketleap.com. And uh, it's a great thing. You're giving directly to the people of Chester. You're meeting fellow Sons of Ben. And they have such amazing things, like, that you can win uh, raffles and just, hanging out at the Larimer is a great thing, man. It's this great business in Chester now that's something for the people of Chester and it's something great for us to do after games and just like, it's a great thing to support and uh, everyone's welcome at Help Kick Hunger. That's awesome, Jeff. Well, we, we really appreciate having you on. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know this guy, get out here and meet him. Um, come to the Sons of Ben tailgates. Me and Luke look forward to spending a lot of time out there. Uh, in this upcoming 2020 season. And Jeff, it's really been a pleasure being able to talk to you and hear about your experiences over the past you know, 10, 10 years at the Union. Yo, thank you guys. This podcast 
you know, I know you probably sit there every week and like, you know, why do we do this? This is a lot of work. Is anyone listening? Like what you're doing matters. And it, the, the amount of people I hear that listen to your show and just have fallen in love with the game because of like, just you, people can hear how much you love this and how much it makes you laugh and how much fun you guys have with it. Like, it's so important. So thank you guys for doing this podcast. When you come up for the Sons of Ben tailgate, let me know, man. I'll make sure that you have some beers waiting for you guys or whatever you guys like, some sodas, whatever you want, man. Uh, yeah, we'll take some beers. That'll be good. We <laughs> All right. Beers. Really appreciate you saying I'll that, have though. beers ready. All right, brother. I have two beers ready for you guys. Dude, Jeff, you're the man. You've always been the man. We thank you for everything. And, uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you soon. Oh, thanks. And I hope uh, during the season uh, next year you'll have me on again. Yes, sir. Yeah, I would think we will, for sure. Sounds great, guys. Thank you so much, uh, AJ and Luke. I really appreciate it. Yeah.